and gentlemen, welcome back to the East Coast 11. Once again, Nathan Bell is your host. Greg Dutcher, sitting across the table from me. Greg, say hi to everyone out there. Hi, everybody out there. I am enjoying a delicious glass of, this is port wine, Port Nathan? wine, yeah. I've never had port wine, but it, just, it, makes, it makes me feel smart and sophisticated. <laughs> All we need is a cigar. We need to get a vent in here so we can start smoking while we do these Yes, things. dude. Um, that would be good when, when the cleaning ladies come into the church office and say, what exactly happened here last night? But I will say this. It is very, very smooth. I know. And really nice, bold taste. Tasty, yeah. And our special guest today, Calvinist Batman joining us, a.k.a. Uh, Bruce, a.k.a. we don't know his real name. Um, nope. Because he's chosen to remain anonymous, uh, keeping with the superhero motif. So, Bruce, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, that was that was kind of a mix between Keaton and uh, Bale. Bale. Didn't you see? It was yeah. it was a little. Which one are you going for, uh, for there, Bruce? And that that good voice. I'm probably going for uh, Christian Bale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Batman as opposed to Birdman, in other words. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Someone caught that. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, Bruce, go ahead and just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, everything you're willing to reveal. Yes. Well, I am in my 30s, and I'm just looking for love. Um, no, no. I, I, um, so I, I started uh, – I started the Calvinist Batman Twitter account a couple of years ago. Um, I think it's been, no, it's been, I guess, just a year and a half ago. Just looking for a place to uh, go over reform doctrine and uh, sharpen myself, sharpen my skills in it, uh, particularly when it came to uh, talking about it to people uh, in short conversations. So I, my feeling is if you can be clear over Twitter, uh, you shouldn't have a problem in longer conversations because um, it's harder to put things into a condensed version than it is just to ramble on for hours. So, yeah. um, so I did that and people started, you know, just following me and talking to me. I swear I just chose the right superhero. Um, I look back and go, that's all it was. If I had been like Calvin's Aquaman or something, no one paid me any attention. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but but all all due respect, Bruce, to the dude who is Calvinist Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're constantly joking with him, and he'll have his turn coming up because Aquaman's you know he's becoming a little more popular thanks to movies coming out. And that's but, right, that's yeah. right. Um, <laughs> but um, but no, then I started that summer live tweeting mostly Christian movies, and I think that's where everything just exploded at. So yeah. I live tweeted God's Not Dead, the Noah movie, um, Heaven Is Real. And I have a, I love movies. I love um, TV shows and different things like that. And can be a little sarcastic and witty. Yeah. And so people really grabbed onto that. And in the summer, they're like, you should start a podcast. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Enough people started saying it that I was like, I, I said, if you're willing to help me, you know, get the stuff I need and support me doing it, then, you know, I'll, I guess I'll do it. And they came together. I sold some shirts, sold enough of them to get, you know, podcasting mics and different things like that. And since November, I have done a podcast and have been just blown away. It's it's been a quite a blessing and, a, and quite a ride since November. So wow! And and hey, I have to say, Bruce, I followed some of your live tweeting of the AD series, dude. That was hilarious um, <laughs> because I actually wasn't watching it, but I'm not kidding. Because of your Twitter feed, I actually tuned into a few of the scenes. 
to see if I could sync him with your response, and it was just hilarious <laughs> because I I tend to think um, the the movie or, or 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 the TV show in that case would be better if they featured those tweets at the bottom of the screen. Um, <laughs> so do I. Yeah, <laughs> can't get enough. So I love the dry humor <laughs> on yeah Christian media. I just think it's a great great. Uh, uh, take so yeah yeah kudos to you on that man we'll we'll urge people to check out your feed so do you are, do you have anything else in the works where you're going to be doing that any upcoming shows or movies that you uh, have on your radar so um, I am going to be doing yes there is one what was it it was all oh, it's um old fashioned soon uh-huh. sometime this month um, I gotta uh, get everything together but yeah probably in next couple weekends i'll be doing the pure flicks movie old-fashioned oh cool and then definitely in the later later this month and then august september there's several movies coming out there's war room i think next month um that's coming out which is the people who did courageous oh yeah and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that those couple people from that baptist Sherwood baptist church yeah fireproof fireproof yep um yeah so their next movie is this war room about you know, like a grandmother praying in a prayer closet kind of thing and the effects it has on the real world. And um, So Beth Moore, I think, is also in that one. So I'm planning on doing that one. And then there's uh, the Hillsong movie coming out late September. Oh, I heard about right. that. Yeah. 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 So I plan on um, going definitely in, in uh, reviewing that one. So one, I just I recently did a fundraiser this year, and that helped me pay for the hosting fees for the year. And it also gave me a few dollars to go out and do a few of these movies actually in live in the theaters instead of having to wait for them to come out on DVD and stuff like that. So nice. um, those are probably my favorite to do is to hide in the corner and movie theater and try not to get caught. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome, dude. That is, that's great. Uh, I wish we had thought of that. Nathan. I know. Now we got to come up with something <laughs> original uh, to do, but um, hey, we still have our greeting cards. We do. Yes. We'll give a little hint in this podcast. Look for, uh, these go to eleven greeting cards. Biblically obscure verses. They'll be coming out That's at some right. other <laughs> some other point. Uh, I'll give one little preview. Uh, great verse in Second Kings. And we cooked my son and ate him. Um, is I think <laughs> one that I'm I'm really looking forward to as a Father's Day That's kind right. of father son bind you know bonding card. And we'll we'll have more uh, more about that. But uh, I have to ask Bruce the. Um, I mean, just uh, guessing you're a big Gotham Batman kind of fan. And uh, any thoughts on the upcoming Batman versus Superman movie? Are are you pumped about that? Does that interest you? Is that something you're going to be keeping a close eye on? Absolutely not. No, wow. I'm not. Like, I, I will go see it most likely. I Due to my um, all my accounts and who I've chosen to represent as, I, I have to go see the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I'm not expecting anything great from it. Yeah. So. DC has a pretty horrible track record in their live action movies. It's a shame. Uh, so I keep a very close check though on their animated movies and oh. which is one of the few things DC does really well. Yeah, yeah. And so um they have a new one coming out like late this month that I plan on checking out. But um but yeah, for the Superman versus Batman, I I didn't like Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah. Um and any kind of follow up to it, I don't see I just don't like the director. I don't like pretty much anyone. So I mean we'll see. Yep. I, it's one of my favorite storylines sure. of all time, but I don't. I just don't think they're going to get it right. But I'm willing to give it a chance, and I'm sure I will be giving my thoughts as we get closer. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just I'm probably just so simple minded. I have to admit, I love the uh, 
the cheesy, you know, do you bleed line in the preview. Um, so that's enough for me to make me see it. Yeah, you will. I just think that's yeah. It is. It is weird to picture Affleck as Batman, but we'll we'll see. We'll see how he pulls that off. Yeah, see, um, I'm not I'm not as worried about Ben Affleck because I love. I think he's a great actor. Uh-huh. Like I loved Argo. Oh yeah, that was great. I heard he's amazing in Gone Girl. So I, I yeah. think his um, acting chops is great. I think mo- most people, when they think of Ben Affleck, they think of Daredevil, which was horrible. Right. But it wasn't. I think it was horrible. Not as much because of him, but because of the movie itself. Um, I think he's come a long way. In the, he's like Matthew McConaughey. They they both have had an ama- amazing last five years. So yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So they, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. Yeah, they've kind of done the Tom Hanks thing that he had going for a, a you know a while. Yeah. where he's kind of <laughs> faded in recent years, but. Yeah, I mean, from the 80s Bosom Buddies thing where he's a cheesy actor in a really lame sitcom uh, to a big and the kind of right. comedy movies to this serious character actor. So, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to uh, to see what happens. Well, uh, we should probably start transitioning, bro. I know. Although I, know. I could talk about this stuff for hours. I thought this is what you brought me on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, we, we like it. I know, we, we do. We, spend, uh, we can spend hours just uh, going off on stuff like this. Um, but we do actually – we want to talk to you about um, uh, some interesting dynamics that you have uh, in your theology, Bruce, because you are uh, most definitely Reformed. Uh, you enjoy Reformed topics, Reformed discussions. Um, but you are um, – you do go to an Assemblies of God church and you uh, believe that the gifts um, of the Holy Spirit in terms of the miracles and things like that uh, – correct me if I'm wrong – those are still – um, alive and well today. Is that correct? Correct. Um, can you just like unpack that a little bit for us? Um, do you get a lot of like confused looks at you when, when you tell people that you go to an assemblies of God church or <laughs> do the people at the assemblies of God church give you a lot of confused looks? <laughs> well, that's the, so that's a great point right there. Uh, the reform community gives me a lot of weird looks because um, mostly because of stereotypes and not yeah. knowing Many don't know the Assemblies of God, period. Um, all they know is like Bethel or Jesus culture, kind of crazy, charismatic, you know, laying on graves, trying to suck the anointing out of them kind yeah. of people. Or the prosperity kind of people who are just like Benny Hinn, who are doing those things for money. Yeah. Um, that's all they know. That's all their, their view allows them to see. Um, as for my church, my, most people in my church do not know I am reformed. Ah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I talk, uh, my pastor now does. That's actually the whole reason I started uh, the, re, the Calvinist Batman account was to be able to exp- like talk about it publicly um, with other believers because in the context of my church, it just, um, it just doesn't happen. So yeah. I do have a few friends that, in which we talk about it with, but – um, when it comes to a multitude of believers and stuff like that, no, um, my church is not reformed and, um, they're not super, um, theology minded. It's not mm-hmm. where they, it's like, we, we, we just don't do that kind of stuff. So, um, there's not really the discussion even to be had there. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, but, um, but yet what they, what the church believes, I mean, I, I wrote this on a blog post, uh, about like why I actually go to this church in particular, and a lot of it has to do about learning unity mm-hmm. and learning about what your basics are. And one of those basics is not 
um, Arminianism or Calvinism, you know, those kind of things. Um, that's that just because they're not reformed doesn't mean that they're, they're not saved yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, right. or anything, uh, which is important. And so uh, the church loves like no other church I know. And, wow. um, but in, in a true way, and the pastor preaches, you know, from the Bible verse by verse all the time, I'm on the worship ministry. So I'm able, I'm one of the leaders of it. So I'm able to guide it. So it's not these thrill and thrills and crazy light yeah. shows. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're not we're not playing Michael Jackson before people come in and stuff <laughs> of that. Um, you know, the congregation requires big things to be said about God. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, is very orderly and stuff like that, so they're not you know a bunch of just crazy halfwits. Yeah. Um, a, a great church. They are just you know egalitarian. They're Arminian um, and stuff. So really, that's that's most the only difference. Yeah. Um, so it's a very unique church because I wouldn't say the Assemblies of God is like that. Um, I, I would say it's pretty split down the middle. There's some very old style uh, Pente- Pentecostal churches, uh-huh. which more focus on holiness. And then they, there's other ones that have gone the charismatic crazy route. So um, I'm curious to see where the denomination as a whole lands in about five years. Huh, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, if, if I'm around to see it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Let me ask you then, Bruce, were, did you come to, uh, well, the terms aren't right. Just use ones that you're comfortable with. But, you know, just for my <laughs> pea brain, did you come to uh, to charismatic distinctives first? Then, yeah. uh, okay, so then the uh, reformed position is something you came to later. So were you Absolutely. you were already in the uh in the AOG context when you embraced a uh a reformed theology. Correct. I've been so for the last 30 years I've been in the Assembly of God church. Wow. I've been okay. part of two churches basically all my life. Um the one I was at before for about 13 years and then the one I'm at at now that's been for about 17 years ago. So um so yeah, I mean I've I've been in uh, the continuationism um, setting for a while now. Yeah, and so who was your first um, person, writer, thinker that introduced these uh, bizarre, you know, sort of sovereignty of God and salvation thoughts to you? That would be the man, John Piper. Okay, yeah, yeah. And honestly, it was at a passion event a okay. long time ago. Yep. Um, heard him preach and quite never heard anyone preach like that yeah. and he gave his he gave his he basically was teaching on christian hedonism just his basic message um foundational work which is you know all the stuff basically found now in his desiring god book sure and um just laid an open and shut case for um god being god centered and our greatest joy being found, our greatest aim would be in delighting in him he laid those two things out and I remember literally just shutting my Bible close to the end of this message and it went, I'm sold. Wow. And that led on, led me on a path um, that eventually converted me into being reformed. Uh, one day God just, you know, the light bulb clicked and all the, all these scriptures. I mean, my childhood, I memorized quite a bit of verses and, you know, I've known my Bible pretty well. And, but one day God just kind of connected them all together, all these verses and chapters and beliefs. And I was like, wow, no, this is right on the money. So I've been reformed ever since. Yeah, that's interesting, too, that it was Piper, because one of 
you know, I think one of the many things about him and his ministry that's been so impactful is that he has such a broad appeal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've got somewhere in this office, Nathan, this mess of an office, <laughs> I've got somewhere actually cassette tapes that my friend Matt Smith gave me years ago of uh, Piper preaching at a vineyard uh, oh, okay. conference. Yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a vineyard setting. And nice. it was so interesting because uh, it's almost formulaic. And I don't mean that critically. I mean, in 2000, my wife and I went to a CCEF you know, a Christian Counseling and Education mm-hmm. Foundation conference up uh, near Philadelphia. And Piper was the keynote. And it was predominantly, that's almost predominantly a PCA, Orthodox Presbyterian context. It, at least it was when we were there. So I think Piper knew that. And he's preaching sort of one of his signature messages on John 4 and worshiping God in spirit and truth. And, you know, he was really, really hitting the Reformed community hard, it, almost in a prophetic way. And I always remember he said, um, you know, he goes, I love uh, so many of you pastors, your hearts for rich biblical doctrine, for the God-centeredness of God. He goes, however, sometimes I get the impression that when you plan your worship services, somewhere lurking in the back of your mind is this motivation. God forbid that anybody actually feel anything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He sort of threw that out hard. Well, then shortly after that, my friend Matt gave me these uh, tapes of him speaking at a vineyard conference, same sermon, same general thrust. When he got to a similar point in that message, he said, oh, I commend my brothers here on your enthusiasm and your passion and your sense of expectancy for God to still be God and do things that would defy expectation, etc. And But he, he took the other approach there. And he said, you know, sometimes he goes, I would listen to some of your songs and would say that they are barely, minimally biblical. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, that's Piper, wherever he goes, you know, he's going he's gonna to find the, uh, the weak spot. He's going to find that chick of the arbor yep. and just go, go right at it. So it is interesting, uh, Bruce, that you heard him at a passion conference. And um, yeah, Piper, for me, uh, wasn't around uh, when I... I'm a little older than you are. For me, it was uh, kind of an odd combination of John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, that, you know, pre-internet, that uh, through their radio ministries that, mm-hmm. that introduced me to this. And, um, but Piper was a welcome luminary a little bit later on. So uh, I have to ask, so here you are, you're in an AOG context. Uh, I imagine it was a pretty eye-opening experience where you're, reading things you've never read, you're thinking about passages you've never thought about, at least in the way you are now. Was there right. ever a, uh, a a time, Bruce, where you thought, man, should I should I leave my current church context and go elsewhere? Or was that never even a thought? Absolutely, it's been a thought. And yeah. I would say that if or when God provides us a way of transportation, um, that that most likely will happen soon after gotcha so um like we reached that time to where we feel it would be better for us to be in a reformed um place but outside of a well no not even there um where we live there there's very little reformed places there's a pca church uh that tends to a as elderly assistance home uh-huh. um, uh about the same distance as the church we go to now however i so i have five people uh, my family, my wife and I, and three kids under three and a half. And 
So I have a Ford Focus is what I drive. Yeah, yeah. That's all we have. We don't have two cars. You have one car. And you, no matter how you try, you're not going to fit today's car seats, three of them in the back row of a Ford Focus. And so every week, one of the elder's wives, um, great, great couple, uh, they come and they pick up my wife and one of our kids and they bring them to church. And I come home usually after worship, after playing the worship uh, session. Wow. the first service, I come pick up the other two kids and take them back to church so we all can be in church together for the second service. So um, for us cool. to go to church, it takes someone taking us there as a family. And I'm sorry for those people who uh, think otherwise, but there is a church you can go to than the church that you can't. Right. Yeah. So, right. Um, you, I mean, the only other way thing I could do is right literally down the block from us, we could walk to it every day, is to go to a PS, PC USA church. Yeah. And uh, that's not really an option for me. So. Gotcha. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you. Sure. Yeah, totally different animal there, no doubt. Um, <laughs> that is uh, really cool, though. What a, I mean, I think what's going to be neat, uh, Bruce, for you, and this is something uh, in our church up here in Maryland uh, that we, we value greatly. I mean, we definitely, I'd say there's people, wouldn't you, Nathan, in our church that might not even know what Reformed theology is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and wouldn't, you know, because we... We don't really use the terms. We don't use the buzzwords. And in fact, Greg, I'll I'll tell you that I've heard people um, in conversation with them when I've talked to them, and they've been shocked when I use the words reformed. Right, Um, right. So, yeah, there there are a lot of people in the church that I would say just they they come to hear the gospel being preached. Right. That's it. Right. Yeah, and, uh, you know, some people that are probably have a little more – uh, knowledge in yeah. terms of background and books they've read and authors they like uh, can normally detect it from the people that are quoted. You know, right. uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of Piper, Spurgeon. a lot of Spurgeon gets in there, of course. I mean, how can you not quote these guys? They're just too awesome. Um, well, see, the Assembly of God loves Spurgeon. That's what I find funny. Wow, yeah. The Assembly of God loves, um, puts a, a um, kind of prizes the revivalist over yeah. the last four or 500 years. Yeah. And so they love all of them. And in that case, being Spurgeon being one of the more recent ones, they love, they absolutely love him, which I find funny because I'm right. like, Spurgeon came here. All he would be teaching is Calvinism. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That is, uh, that's true. It's interesting. The guys that get quoted across the spectrum, uh, you know, I always say C.S. Lewis is in that category. Yeah. Um, not really from a reform no. perspective, one of us, <laughs> but is uh, he's allowable. Uh, That's right. You know, I mean, he, 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 can, he can be quoted anywhere virtually, so Spurgeon certainly falls in that, uh, in that category. But I was just going to say, Bruce, for you to have that experience where, I mean, what a blessing to have uh, one of your elders and his wife that just minister to you guys and make sure your whole family gets to church. And, you know, um, just obviously if you ever end up in a reformed context and – you know, I, these things are known to exist uh, where uh, we can overly one-dimensionalize people outside of the reform community as yeah. if God's not doing anything there. You know, you'll be able to say, oh, no, he's he's doing a lot of things there. <laughs> uh, and you'll, you've got personal testimony of that. And I think it really tempers um, your convictions. And, and uh, you're right, speaks a lot about the broader unity in uh, uh, in the body of Christ. And I, um, I, I'm curious uh, – did you discover at some point, hey, there are reformed guys that are also open to, to one degree or another, 
the gifts that uh, Nathan mentioned uh, a little bit ago, uh, that those gifts, whether you call them sign gifts, spectacular gifts, miraculous gifts, and out of, you know, tongues, prophecy, healing, uh, interpretation of tongues, those things are um, still at work. Did you realize uh, at some point, wow, there's a couple of guys that agree with me on the sovereignty of God and also that these gifts are still operative? Yeah, um, it was definitely surprising. I remember um, the conversation has been going on for a, a little bit since I became Reformed. And I think one of the biggest shocks was actually an older clip from Piper himself, who yeah. was talking about, um, who did an interview with Desiring God or something like that, and was saying um, every morning, at least for a period of time, he was waking up um, more in the last 10 years, supposedly, and he would pray every day for the gift of tongues. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he talked about um, you know, his experiences with prophecy, and but trying to hold true to the Bible. You know, and that that's the... As solus scriptura people, we say, you know, this is enough, it's sufficient, you know, it, it's relevant, it has everything we need, then I have to believe that these this, these parts are in the Bible, not just for a historical context. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, this if, if the verse before is something I need to pay attention to, and the verse after is something I need to pay attention to, why isn't the verse in the middle something I need to mm. keep pondering? So, um and so it, it's 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 taken some wrestling because I I get why, particularly certain gifts, um, you know the reformed community as a whole seems a little about yeah. But um, it, it's just taken some, um, you know, some prayer and, and study and, um, but at the same time I see it every week in my church. Hmm. Interesting. So it, it's hard to go like that's not of God when it's happening and happening in the right way. Again, not some Benny Hinn style, not some Jesus culture crazy style, but orderly. I mean, when I read First Corinthians 14, mm -hmm. that is literally in my church each week. Wow. Um, and so it's a beautiful thing to see. And I'm like, this can happen. You can do it to where it doesn't, it's not crazy. And it still fits in a nice orderly structure and system. You know, that, that balance you were talking about earlier, um, you know, about um, making sure that, you know, people are so... Um, reverent and things are still orderly, but uh, you want to make sure it's still people feel things and that God moves. And those two things, there is a balance in those two things. And I think uh, Paul gives us some great instruction on that. And sadly, though, I find very few churches um, that are willing to to try out some of that, so to speak. Um, I know Kyle told me some great churches are ones who um, practice that. So um, which so come to find out, Sovereign Grace was a group I knew, I've known for a long time. I just didn't know they were formed. Interesting. Um, so I never went to one of their churches, but like I've known the Sovereign Grace churches for a while, and I just never connected the dots. So looking back, I go, oh, okay, that, that, that's cool and fun. So interesting. I'm going to ask Nathan to uh, jump in here because Nathan, you have a Pentecostal charismatic background, correct? I do, yeah, and. Yeah. Um, my Glory. sense, my, yeah, yeah, come on now, <laughs> hallelujah. Uh, my Praise sense, Jesus. <laughs> my my sense is Nathan, you would say your experience was not something that you would consider. Um, what's the word? Pleasant, yeah, stellar. So <laughs> yeah. share that. And I, I'm I'm curious to hear you two riff yeah, on that. No, I um, definitely. When whenever I talk to people, I I typically say uh, tongue in cheek. Um, you know, yeah, God delivered me out of that. 
Um, <laughs> and dude, if you want to make that a perfect setup, you would say tongues in cheek. But that's go right. on. I know, I, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to say tongues uh, in cheek. So, but um, no, it, yeah. Just in my experience, I the the churches that um, my family was typically drawn to as I was growing up were those um, very uh, getting an experience out of the worship service. Yeah, and. Um, a lot of the the assemblies of God, there was just. I remember there was a lot of crazy um, being slain in the spirit and um, speaking in tongues, and and I grew up with it. I thought it was normal. I thought that's what you did. And I remember uh, shortly after my father passed away, um, I was being prepared to go on a mission trip through uh, one of the charismatic churches that I had grown up in, and one of the things that they were really um, hoping for me and praying for me before I went was that I would be uh, slain in the spirit and that I would start speaking in tongues. Hmm. And I remember how much that was just emphasized. And I remember mm-hmm. my brother and I, my older brother and I, just getting into heavy, strong debates about that. And um, I remember uh, just before going on this trip, never started speaking in tongues, but I remember like they were just, you know, praying so hard and there were all these guys around. So I just basically succumbed to peer pressure and I just let myself go limp and fall to the ground. And I, you know, stayed there for about five minutes before I got up and, you know, but to, to me, like this, this, this is what I grew up in. You know, I, my brother, um, when, when I was a senior in high school, I remember going down and visiting, his church and he found a church very similar to some of the ones that I'd grown up in. And just all, a lot of those memories and flashbacks had come back of those things. And so for me, it was always just this experience of, well, you got to do these things to be a good Christian. I mean, you know, there, there's this idea of, you know, come on. I mean, you got, you got to speak in tongues in order to, you know, be baptized in the Holy spirit. Um, and so for me, it was just like, that's why I say tongues in cheek, um, you know, that, that God just, uh, kind of delivered me from that because I could have seen myself going down that path. Um, if, if I had been influenced by that for a longer period of time, just, just through sheer peer pressure. Um, so for me, I saw, a, I saw a lot of abuse mm-hmm. of the gifts more than I saw them being done properly. Interesting. Um, Would. Would you say, Bruce, based on what uh, Nathan said, that you've had a different experience? I mean, I know you can't each see uh, one another's churches that are being referenced, but my sense you've you've mentioned order a great deal. So, do, is your sense that Nathan's upbringing is pretty different than uh, the church that you go to? The church I go to, yes, right. But I have seen exactly what he's talking about. Okay, um, see, because um, I've had the same leadership for again seventeen years. Where we, I see most of this, that kind of stuff at is uh, evangelists that maybe come in mm-hmm. yeah. um, here or there, or maybe I'm at a conference or something like that, and I'll see a, a, a guest minister or whatever come in. They're like that. And just like you, I mean, I used to pity fall in uh, those kind of places <laughs> wow. until I, um, <laughs> but, but, because that, you know, because that's what. That's what, like that's you what said, you're that's supposed what, like, to do. That's how you're, that's how you're a Christian, basically. I, I mean, I get that. Um, yeah. I totally get that. Where if for for the longest time, um, we thought that the gifts equaled the gospel, mm-hmm. and that is not the case. I think they are, while not part of the gospel, I think they are part of uh, discipleship. They ought to be taught. They ought to be 
uh, pursued like that. I mean, that Paul clearly tells us to pursue uh, particularly a couple of the gifts, but that's not the gospel, and that's not what sanctifies us. Mm-hmm. It's not, hey, if you would fall more or if you would speak in tongues more, you would be more sanctified, you would be living holier lives. There's nowhere in the Bible it says that. Um, it's if we hear the gospel, if we, um, you know, the more we respond to the gospel, um, that's where our, you know, our hope lies in, is in Christ and in the gospel. So, um, I think we've gotten the cart before the horse way too many, too many times. And that's why I'm thankful for my church. Um, particularly since it's way crazier now than when I was a young kid. Yeah. Like what, what passes off as Christianity. I, I tell the story. Um, in w- one of my podcasts really early on, we dealt with this subject like right away. Cause so I, I went to the Brownsville revival for a, a couple times mm-hmm. back when it was going on in the nineties and comparatively, so I'm not going to make any judgments good or bad, but just in comparison to any modern quote unquote revival that happens today, the Brownsville Revival is a freaking Presbyterian. Wow. Like, wow. I mean, comparatively, that, that's how crazy and out there we have gone now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if, if we had, like, if there were people's problems with Brownsville um, was more imbalanced and maybe a couple of things going wrong, there's almost nothing good happening in today's revivals. Yeah. Um, no gospel being shared, no repentance uh, for sin, no um, greatness of God. Things that were very much in the Browns for revival, but are nowhere to be found nowadays. Interesting. And yeah, um, yeah so I mean, I, I totally see where you know you're coming from. I, I've had those experiences, been there, done that. Still, every once in a while, walk into one of those places. Um, if we're if we have a ministry team that's traveling somewhere, um, just every once in a while, you, you just tend to run into things like that on the side of the tracks. Yeah, um, right. But. But like you said, my church is more orderly, and so there there have been times where someone's been prophesying in the middle of service. Um, that again happens decently orderly. It's not like someone just interrupts pastor and while he's preaching. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But sometimes when maybe a, a member is is giving a prophecy, giving an encouragement to the to the body, um, and our pastor has just cut them off, huh. saying, "Nope, that's <laughs> that's yeah. not right." Uh, and so that kind of stuff happens where it's not just a free for all. Right. Mm-hmm. It, if it's wrong, it's, it gets shut down. Um, I thought my pastor said it beautifully the other week. Um, it's it's a safe place to learn. Yeah. So no, we're not gonna we're gonna stop things if, if they're not right. However, we're not gonna cast you out of the church just for making a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know the, these things. Unlike maybe your your Old Testament people. Um, this is not something where if someone's giving a prophecy or encouragement at church, you're not like possessed by the Holy spirit and your mouth is moving and stuff like that. Yeah. Sometimes it's just emotion. Sure. And it's hard to tell the difference uh, if you're, if you're new to this. And so we want to be able to correct them, but yet do it in a safe way and a place that can still encourage them. You know, Um, if I think if more people would open their mouths in church, maybe we would be, um, doing a little better in America. Interesting. Well, so. let me uh, let me ask you, Bruce, just a, a series of, of questions. I'm not trying to trap you or anything, just really trying to get a no. sense where you're coming from. Let's talk about tongues uh, okay. for a moment or two. Um, do you believe that uh, tongues should have 
an interpretation after they're uttered? Depending. Okay. So if it is in a public context where it is singled out, absolutely. So if it's a message in tongues, Mm -hmm. then absolutely. I would argue that if it has no interpretation, then that person was way out of place. Okay. I mean, per... Per First Corinthians fourteen, if there's no interpretation, then the person who gave the message in tongues ought to be interpreting it. Okay. And so, if there's no interpretation, my personal belief is that that it's wrong. However, there are times in our congregation um, where it's more of a prayer language corporately. Mm-hmm. So maybe the pastor will will tell everyone to hey pray in pray in tongues or something like that. Yeah. If you know if if you are if you have the gift, let's let's take this few moments as we're praying for this. Let's go ahead and do that. Uh, obviously, not everyone's going to stand up and start interpreting what they just prayed. Right. But that but that um, that disclaimer has already been made. I see. Basically. I see. So you've kind of answered my second question there because this this is an issue um, that I I wish there was more distinction uh, made because often I talk to friends. Uh, on both sides of this uh, issue, you know, people that are hardcore John MacArthur type cessationist guys, you know, that, that nope, <laughs> overdone, yeah, apostolic era, no more. Uh, they'll say, well, look, I mean, First Corinthians says there's got to be a, an interpretation, but the, a number of friends I have that are continuationists uh, distinguish between uh, sort of a language proclamation type of tongue and a prayer language tongue. Uh, and would say, and I, 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 it sounds like what I'm hearing is your stance, uh, Bruce, that Acts 2, definitely language proclamation. 1 Corinthians 14, uh, for instance, when Paul says, who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but speaks to God, you would see that more as a prayer language. Am I, am I tracking with that right? Yeah, but again, if it's singled out as a, like, it's basically it's the only voice being heard. Yeah. In a congregation, which happens every once in a while, you know, in our church, uh, many times that happens before the inter. I mean, obviously, it happens before the interpretation of the tongue. Um, right, right. And many times that interpretation of the tongue falls right in there with prophecy. Yeah, giving an encouragement to the body. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, tongues absolutely are a are uh, you know, you're speaking to God. If you are speaking to people, you just use normal language. Um, that's why I see, and I, even in, in first Corinthians, why there's so, why Paul talks about tongues and prophecy very closely together. Yeah. Because in a corporate context, in a congregational context, when you're in church where it's one person speaking, many times they're following each other. Yeah. Back to back. So, um, but I think, yeah, there's definitely a prayer language part of it. I would say parts of, First Corinthians are meant to be a you know proclamation part of it. Mm-hmm. I um, see, sure, sure. Yeah, but not all of it. So, so have you have you seen in your church or a church, Bruce, where uh, you know tongue has been singled out, somebody has spoken, and there has been an interpretation? Literally, almost every week. Wow, interesting, interesting. Yeah, it happens really frequently. Okay, because. Um, uh, and here's something I've always wanted to know. And this sounds—I hope this doesn't sound crass. Have you ever seen? I've wondered if this has happened in in these contexts where somebody has spoken in a tongue, somebody's offered an interpretation, and somebody challenges the interpretation. 
maybe the one that spoke it. Wait a minute, that's not right. Uh, I mean, I, just just out of curiosity, could somebody get that wrong? I, I don't know if you've ever witnessed that. I've seen it. People get it wrong. Okay. Um, it's it's probably safe to say, um, or good to say, that it's not a puzzle game. Yeah. So it's not a we have to crack the code. Yes. In order to know God's, I mean, it, at the end, it's just encouragement. Right. All these things are here for are for the building up uh, of the body. Right. And so um, if someone gets it wrong, no, we don't take like three stabs at it or something like that. Sure. Uh, trying to get it right. Then yeah. we just, you know, it's a it's a teaching moment for us. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, let's move on because we still believe in closed canon. We still believe in, I mean, it's not like we missed the voice of God. What, right. Right. Back back. <laughs> yeah. We don't start fasting and pour ashes over ourselves. Please talk to us again, Lord. Give us one more. Ch-. It's not like that. Right. Um, it's okay. Instead of encouraging and exhorting and building up the body in this way, we're going to bring some teaching and some correction and we'll encourage them that way. And yes. then we'll try it again next time, basically. Yes. So, and and uh, it's not every, it's not every week. I would say though, it's frequent to have it at least two Sundays a month. Interesting. Um, it happens at least that often. And do you feel, Bruce, because uh, I know there's, again, kind of two schools of thought and maybe some mediating positions in between. Uh, my understanding is in older Pentecostal circles, you sort of have a, a view of a second work of grace uh, where the Holy Spirit comes, baptizes, tongues might be evidentiary, uh, sealing something, a sign of something, uh, as opposed to sort of a, a third wave view where, no, you receive the Holy Spirit in fullness at salvation, uh, but there's continuing work of the Holy Spirit. A- any thoughts on that, where you stand on that, or your church? Yeah, I've heard a lot of arguments about that. Yeah, I bet. Um, so, and that, to be honest, is one of those things that I'm still working on. I need to be spending more time, like, figuring out where I land. Sure. Um, with everything. I I do believe that when you get the Holy um when you're saved, obviously you, you receive the Holy Spirit. So it's not like you're missing... Um, the Holy Spirit or anything. I'm just trying to, I mean, I have to give you a non-answer on that one. No, that's fine. Uh, just because I, I honestly couldn't tell you exactly where I fall without screwing it up. So no, yeah. sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, we, we do a lot of non-answers on yeah. the podcast <laughs> <laughs> or what we do. We did one uh, that came out this week with our friend, uh, Steve Hartland, who's yeah. a good buddy of ours and a pastor. It was hard. Nathan was asking us, would Jesus say the Pledge of Allegiance and all this stuff? I'm like, oh, man, we're, we're going to get emails on this stuff. So, of course, I just said, uh, you know, Steve, why don't you take all those questions? <laughs> Since he's not in my church, I figured I'll let him take the heat. Um, but I uh, let me just ask you, uh, Bruce, if somebody uh, comes to you and shares, this is a common verse people will appeal to, um, particularly from a cessationist perspective, that the gifts ceased at some point. Typically, after the death of the last apostle, Second uh, Corinthians twelve twelve, somebody says, "Bruce, you know the the Paul says the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works." Uh, so there's a verse that says. So the argument goes that the sign gifts, uh, their purpose was to validate the authenticity of an apostle. Obviously, the early church didn't have a a closed canon yet from a New Testament perspective. Uh, so the authority of the apostle is incredibly important. Uh, so you know that Paul is a good guy and the Judaizers at Galatia are bad guys. Uh, that the phonies in Corinth, 
that Paul calls super apostles, I think is the way the NIV references, are bad guys, and Paul is a good guy. Uh, so that's the only purpose of those gifts. Uh, it says it right there, uh, 2 Corinthians 12.12. 12. What say you to that? You said 1 Corinthians 12.12? 12, 12? Uh, 2 Corinthians 12.12. 12. Oh, okay. That's why I could, I'm like, first, I'm looking <laughs> You're at like, wait a minute. Book, I'm like, come on. What? Yeah. Uh, brother, I'm, yeah, I was going to say, I'm reading from the New Living Message. Uh, it's a version Nathan and I are writing each day. Going along with our uh, greeting cards. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, I, I, so I'll answer this in, in two parts. So I do believe that those gifts were given to the apostles for that reason. Yeah. However, so I and I believe that the offices, most of the offices have ended. And I need to make sure that's clear because um, what I believe is in the continuing of the gifts, not the offices. Okay. And then I think that's where um, they've gone way off track more recently is we think now that apostles are back and all these kind of things. And that's just led to stupidness and craziness. Right. So I believe the. I believe the offices were for a time that we no longer have apostles. We no longer have prophets. So while I don't believe we have someone who has an office of a prophet, I believe that we may have we have people in our churches who may have been given the gift of prophecy. Mm-hmm. There's a huge. I, I I believe there's a huge difference in those two. Mm-hmm. Um, just like there isn't someone who is a healer. There's no you know. We don't believe in like Native American cultures or this is our village healer. Right. Come to them. Um, but there are times where people show the gift of healing in their lives yeah. when they pray. Um, those are gifts God gives. And I would, I would totally go with that line of thinking. Seriously, if First Corinthians didn't exist, mm-hmm. I, I could see where that argument could be made, you know, closed book, you're, you know, you're good to go, um, if all we had was Acts. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I no one seems to be able to answer why do we have Corinthians then? Because mm-hmm. here, here you have a church, um, and if, if when we read Corinthians, a pretty horrible church. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know, Paul's like, cast this person out. We're giving over for the devil. You guys really need a, like your sexual morality and your idols and all all the stuff that's going on. Most of us would go into that church and go, "You're not saved." Um, yeah, and he talks to them about them that this this just jacked up church them about gifts and says that he wishes that all of them might prophesy and speak in tongues that God has given them different kinds of gifts. Mm -hmm. Why? None of these people in Corinth were apostles. Like none of the apostleship list comes from Corinth. Right. Right. So, so why should Billy Joe Bob, who's a, a shoe polisher in Corinth, or whatever the Hebrew term for all that stuff is, <laughs> <laughs> or Gentile church, Gentile, you know, how, whatever his name was. Um, why, why would Paul be saying, "Hey, be looking"? Maybe God's giving you the gift of miracles for when you pray. Right. Why would he be doing all of that? I, right. I have yet to find an answer because if they weren't apostles, then that theory is debunked. I'm sorry. Then, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. you know, oh, it's just because they didn't have the closed canon. But Paul never mentions like, "Hey, make sure that you keep my letter on file. It's it's part of the canon." Now you, you know, they all they had at that time was the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and some of these some of these places I'm sure barely had that. When um, you would walk into these completely pagan towns, um, 
where it's the church is made up of almost all Gentiles, like where I, I don't get where that argument can stand in those places if these people are performing miracles, if they're speaking in tongues, if they're if they're doing all these things that the apostles were doing, I don't see how that, that view can can stand. Yeah, so in other words, you see and, and I and I, I I see what you're uh, what you're getting at, Bruce. I think you're making a very very salient point that the the action going on First Corinthians twelve through fourteen is not the action of a select group of you know uh, apostolic leaders. This is, in other words, sort of the common day operative uh, procedure in the local right. church. Uh, and there's a lot of regulation there on how gifts are are being used. Yeah, and I, I will say, I heard Sam Storm say this once. He said, come on, guys. He said, if Paul was an outright cessationist, 1 Corinthians would have been a slam dunk. Because um, you know, he, he would have he just gotten to chapter 12 and said, you stop know, it. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> these things are, maybe then, these things are only for the apostles. Uh, right. Or, you know, they're coming to an end very, very quickly or or something like that. So I... I see what uh, what you're getting at. So that's that's, and I do think uh, there is a um, you know there are some guys. Uh, there's no doubt. I, I, and I will say, uh, I came to faith uh, in a very charismatic context myself, a little different than Nathan's. Um, I remember I went to an independent charismatic church that was kind of wacky, uh, <laughs> you know, where a, a large man, very large man, in a uh, Harley Davidson T-shirt that didn't quite fit him oh, oh, well, oh, oh. was standing up talking about um, he was urging us all to stand up and knock the dark rider off his dark horse. Uh, and and he was giving us exactly where to push the horse, where it would fall on the right <laughs> side of the aisle. And I mean, I'm 16 years old. I'm a baby Christian and I'm just terrified. Um, wow. I didn't know this was a part of the deal. And uh, the youth pastor there, I mean, really reinforced every stereotype that you've ever seen in any movie or <laughs> anything. Literally wore a very bright purple double breasted suit. Um and then you know, he didn't then he didn't uh fulfill every stereotype. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah, his his hair was slicked back, you know, he had 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 the whole thing going. And he was telling me that uh, I didn't have the Holy Spirit yet because I hadn't spoken in tongues. Yeah. And, of course, I wanted the Holy Spirit because I, I was so hungry for Christ at that point, you know, in my honeymoon period of a month or two into it. And uh, I remember being on the side of my bed for a good solid two or three weeks, every night, literally in tears, praying that God would give me tongues. Um, and he would ask me because I went there for about a month and he would say, oh, have you, have, have you had it yet? And I said, I hadn't. And he actually told me, well, sometimes this is terrible. I bet these are some of the things you guys are talking about. <laughs> he told me you have to prime the pump sometimes. Um, and he gave me a couple of phrases to get oh. the Holy Spirit started. <laughs> and I said, well, and I remember, and I wasn't trying to be disrespectful. I said, but pastor, if, I mean, do, do Holy Spirit doesn't need my help, right? Can't he do it? And he said, no, no, you're not helping him. You're <laughs> showing him you're willing to be used. Oh, so man. I would try to get myself started and my parents, who weren't believers, boy, if they heard me, they, they probably would have had me locked up somewhere, you know. But uh, so I'd give you my little history there, only to ask uh, Bruce your take: uh, Are there Christians that are simply not going to speak in tongues, even that might want to? In in, oh in your view, absolutely. Yeah, that is so. 
the AG believe that the primary evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit or the being baptized in the Holy Spirit is the evidence of speaking in tongues, in which I say, absolutely not, you crazy people. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 says so. Right. Like, it's not, it's not up for question. He says, you know, do all heal? No, do all, um, do all prophesy? Do all speak in tongues? Yes. Yeah. The answer is no. My wife's one of those. I absolutely believe my wife's filled in the Holy Spirit. But she, I mean, amazing discernment, words of wisdom, but doesn't speak in tongues. Uh-huh. And she wants to. Um, I had an a experience just like you did where some guy came to our church a long time ago uh, before we became as orderly as we were. Yeah. And um, preached a message on the Titanic. No joke. And... <laughs> Then uh, started asking people, you know, who has, who wasn't filled with the spirit. Somehow those two are connected. Yeah. And <laughs> and when he came to me, and what he was doing with everyone is, he, he said, "Repeat after me, live bullshit," and, and you know, just a sentence. Yeah. And I repeat, and he's like, "You're filled with the spirit," and he just moved on. <laughs> I was like, "Wow." I'm wow. like my like my my nine month old says things like that. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah. My baby was filled with the spirit when they first came out. Um, and it wasn't till so like a year later, my pastor's praying for me. He, you know, I want you to, to pray in tongues yeah. uh, with me. And I couldn't do it. Yeah. I was, I had confused my, I, I had literally like forced myself to believe I had been filled with the spirit or something like that just by, you know, mem, you know, mem, muttering those few syllables or whatever. And it never was. Yeah, and so I was like, I can't, I can't. And so he prayed uh, for me for it. Uh, still no change. And a couple of weeks later, I was at a um, convention. No hands related. They weren't praying for it. Uh, we were just in the middle of worship. I uh, forgot what we were singing, uh, but we had entered a like spontaneous part of the song uh-huh. where people were just they encouraged to hey, just lift your voices. Sing of your love for God and tell you know one of those like tell tell the Lord how much He means to you kind of thing, and um, I started singing and that session that that section of the worship actually actually rolled over. I mean like it it just kept going. Something happened. One of those just moments. What I believe was one of those God moments in kind of a uh, in the middle of worship because they just kept going. We, yeah. um The next thing we did was preaching at that point. Wow. <laughs> and um, we. Um, but during this time, I, I was worshiping, and then I noticed a, a while later, as we're continuing singing, for the last 15, 20 minutes, I had been singing in tongues. Yeah. Uh, out of nowhere. No hands being laid, no, no nothing else. No one telling me what to say. Um, found myself praying in tongues, walking down my street the next day. Huh. Like, literally caught myself like, oh, I'm, I'm praying in tongues right now. Um, and so it wasn't, and I had had friends with the exact same experiences where, um, one of my friends is, came out, uh, strongly Baptist. Mm-hmm. Her parents are strongly Baptist. In fact, her dad's a Baptist minister and doesn't believe in that. And, uh, she prayed with her dad one day and all of a sudden became filled with the spirit speaking. <laughs> and her, uh, I mean, her dad rejoiced is, is one of those like laid back kind of like, wow. I mean, I don't believe in this, but you know, I, I saw my own eyes and, uh, she's she's one of those who um, is more logic driven, yeah. And like the last person you would think who would ever speak in tongues, 
uh, and you know she does. And so it's one of those things that personal personal experience and seeing the experience of others. And um, I believe obviously God is still given that gift. And but yet I don't believe it's a necessity. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think we. I actually think we um, burden people, like you were saying with your testimony. I, I see my wife. Uh, feel guilt and shame because she doesn't speak in tongues when you sure. when she listens to some crappy preacher. Yeah. Um, thankfully not from our church, but when she hears someone say that, you know, she's like, you know, she still battles that, and it's been years. Yeah. Um, you know, ago that that happened, but I, I think we disfranchise people, saying that, hey, this is the height of, you know, the spiritual gifts. When Paul says, I'd rather everyone prophesy. Yeah. We push everyone to tongues thinking that's the, that's the greatest thing or that's the one that everyone needs to have. And Paul's like, you know, sure, but I'd rather all of you prophesy. I'd rather all of you say a couple words in your natural language that could be used to build up people without needing interpretation. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I think we've gotten the gifts out of order. In fact, when it comes to tongues, I think they're almost last on the list when Paul mentions them. Uh, I'm looking. Um, let me see here. Yeah. They're they're at, in a First Corinthians twelve when he does the gifts verses eight through ten. Uh, they are the last two on the list. Yeah, tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And so, I, I kind of think that's purposeful. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's. Yeah. I think you see tongues being kind of one of the more that's generically given to people. Yeah. Um, so that's why not everyone can do you know has a gift of healing and miracles kind of thing, but. You know, most people have tongues. That's what it's just set up, it seems. Um, So I don't think we should be putting this this bar up saying you have to speak in tongues. I just don't. Per the Bible, that's not the way it works. And I think we're doing damage to people from ever experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit if we do that. Yeah. Well, you know, I I have to say, Bruce, thank you for that that emphasis because one of the goals that uh, Nathan and I have, we know we've got a lot of – you know, pretty probably solidly reformed people listening. Mm-hmm. And as we've noted, many of those probably are still thinking, what? I didn't even know there were any reformed people that had a openness <laughs> to the gifts and that sort of thing. Although I think uh, there are fresh breezes blowing through the larger body of Christ that let people know there's a lot more diversity than we would have thought. And I'm hoping, because uh, I know we're just about to, to wrap up here, Nathan, but I hope yeah. our listeners um, hear Bruce, who's very bright, yeah. thoughtful, scripturally sound man, loves the Lord, uh, reformed outlook on uh, the glory of God, the centrality of yeah. God, who has a very thoughtful case uh, for this position. This isn't yeah. just born out of experience. This is uh, exegetically observed. These are things that he has uh, looked at. And for those that want to learn more, obviously uh, the guys that come to my mind, Sam Storms, Wayne Grudem, John Piper, uh, and there's others too, but those three sort of stand out to my mind. Gordon Fee, I don't know if he's necessarily in the reform camp, but is a very respected commentator uh, who has uh, charismatic leanings. Uh, that there are a, a number of uh, scholars out there mm-hmm. uh, that look at these issues, and uh, people might be sort of shocked. I know there's some other things, Nathan, we'd like to talk about. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. you're going to say, See if we can get Bruce back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We are um, we are running uh, running out of time. It's been such a such a great conversation with you, Bruce. Um, and so, if uh, somewhere down the road, if you're available, we'd love to have you back and and you know maybe uh, discuss um, and open up you know to some of the other gifts 
uh, get your thoughts and views on those and, and, and how, um, how you see those, uh, biblically and, and woven throughout, throughout life. Yeah. Like healing. I'd, I'd really yeah. like to talk about healing. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Anytime. And can I make a quick plug? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, and sorry, not to really plug myself, but, um, we, I decided to do a really deep dive on this topic, uh, that we've been talking about tonight. And I had my good friend, uh, Kyle, come on the show he's a historical theologian that's what he he is um and still in college finishing up his phd i think or something like that and so we got together and we have an episode that we recently did a couple months ago on our podcast called do you believe in the continuation of love Uh, it's focused on the on all these gifts it's focused on first corinthians 12 through 14 i do it more as a q a instead of a foundational like teaching kind mm-hmm. of thing. So we're trying to answer questions. And uh, for some people, they, they rather have that foundation. And I think uh, Kyle's podcast, he talks about it on, on that episode we did where he'll be, where he did the foundation side of it on his side, on his podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for more people who are looking for um, kind of that Q and a side, well, what, what about these situations? We do handle about every kind of situation you can think of. Um, kind of the the way out there's the fringe cases and the normal questions that we get on that episode. It's like almost three hours long. Um, and so I would highly recommend that the episode, do you believe in the continuation of love on the Calvinist Batman and friends podcast? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for that, Bruce. Yeah, no, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking, uh, taking, uh, time out and, and doing this with us. We know you're very busy, uh, job, family and and everything that you've got going on there so uh thank you so much once again no problem thank you guys this has been great all right we're gonna go ahead and sign off now uh bruce greg we just rocked the casbah rocked these guys to 11